Most people want to live the good life, whatever that may mean to them. Even when things may have gone downhill for a bit, getting back on track can be a good feeling. But what if after fighting so hard to get your life back, you're met with obstacles that, in your eyes, could dismantle everything you've worked for? How far would you go to maintain the life that you love? This is the story of the Canada Crossbow Murders. presented on the Crime Lounge podcast are based on public information researched and compiled using multiple sources, including the internet, as well as personal thoughts and opinions of the host and the guests. This show is not meant to disrespect any of the victims or other individuals that are discussed. Due to the graphic nature of true crime and the subjects that will be shared, listener discretion is advised. What's going on, good people? I am your host, Nita J, and welcome back to the Crime Lounge Podcast, you guys. It is the second episode, and I'm very, very thankful that you have decided to listen. I just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who made episode one such a success, you guys. I got so many listens for episode one and lots of reviews and podcasters from the true crime community have reached out to me just saying welcome and great first episode so it's a great great feeling you guys that people are actually listening to me so um, again I just want to say thank you so much and I'm very very thankful for you for listening to me and I hope that you guys stick around for future episodes okay so it is Thanksgiving you guys and I'm just getting home from spending time with family it's been an amazing day and I'm just kind of unwinding and um, sipping on a little cocktail and about to tell you all this story Um, before we get started I do want to let you guys know that I have started something new on the website which is crimeloungepodcast.com I'm going to be posting lots of cocktail recipes which I call crime cocktails so they will be on the blog periodically I'm going to be sharing some of the recipes of the mixed drinks that I do concoct at my home or find on Pinterest or something. Um, But I'll put those on the blog so you guys could sip with me and listen to these stories, right? So look out for that. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and get into this episode. Um, Before we get started, I do want to give you just a couple of trigger warnings. This episode does have elements of gruesome, gruesome violence and murder. So if those concepts are a little too much for you, I completely understand if you need to step away from this story. Take care of yourself and join me for future episodes. All right, so grab your cocktail and let's go ahead and get started with this episode. My sources for this episode include a show on oxygen called A Lie to Die For, Season 1, Episode 12, entitled Killing Off My Past, an article from the Toronto Sun, and an article from TorontoLife.com. I will leave all of my sources in the show notes below for you to check out. Brett Ryan was born and raised in Scarborough, which is a very nice and upscale suburban area of Toronto. He had loving parents, Bill and Sue Ryan. 
Sue was a great mother and homemaker, and Bill was a hardworking man who managed a newspaper in the area. Brett had three brothers, Chris, Leland, and AJ. According to those who were close to him, he was very outgoing and had a pretty big personality. He was charismatic and charming and was very good at winning people over. During his high school years, he performed well in school and people thought that he would go on to do well for himself after graduation. But things did not go that way for Brett. Brett went on to attend the University of Toronto and went on to complete three years of school. In 2003, which was his fourth year, he decided to drop out. He did attempt to go back a couple of years later, but ultimately he did not finish. To friends and family, it became apparent that Brett didn't seem to have a clear path for his life. According to the Oxygen documentary, he worked odd jobs here and there to get back on track, including working in construction, painting houses, and refereeing Little League games in the community. After researching, I think he seems a little stuck um, and pacing a little bit slower in life compared to his three brothers, who by this point were doing very well for themselves. Despite all this, Brett wanted to live a lavish life, and he quickly started to live well beyond his means. He was a bit of a show-off, but he just couldn't afford to keep up the image of himself that he was trying to portray. This went on for some time, and before he knew it, Brett had landed himself in a lot of debt. And by a lot, I mean fifty to $60,000 worth of debt. The crazy part about all of this is he didn't even have a job at this point. So he's out here buying Versace and wearing expensive jeans, showing off his wealth, the wealth that he just didn't have. He found himself in a desperate position. And you know how some people tend to react when they feel like their back is against the wall. They do something drastic. And Brett did just that. He decided to rob a bank. So yes, at this point, our boy Brett has decided that he needs to get himself out of his crazy financial situation by robbing banks. He will walk into these banks with little notes demanding money and threatening harm with a firearm. He also wore a disguise with a ridiculous costume beard, which gave him the name of the Bearded Bandit or the Fake Beard Bandit. He put a lot of thought and preparation into these bank robberies, like scoping out his locations days in advance, and even going so far as to walk with a fake limp to come off as less threatening and disguising his overall appearance. Between October 2007 and June 2008, Brett made off with over $54,000 in stolen money from his bank robberies. Unfortunately, Brett did not think about a little thing called DNA, and he would leave his DNA behind on all these little notes that he was giving out during his robberies. The police started to surveil him, and eventually they caught him right in front of a bank in his infamous disguise. This would have been the next robbery had he not been caught. He was arrested and pled guilty to eight counts of robbery. Understandably, Brett's family was very disappointed and ashamed of him. His parents had these four amazing, smart, talented sons, and now Brett had decided to use this intelligence and talent for illegal activity. Although they were upset, the family had always been close and they decided to stay by Brett and support him as he took responsibility for his wrongdoings. 
Although Brett had done something completely out of character for him, according to what the family was saying about him, the judge believed that he was remorseful and could be a law-abiding citizen as long as he continued to have the strong support around him. Instead of sending Brett away for 10 years, as he was initially, the judge sentenced him to five years in prison. Brett ended up serving just one year of his sentence and was released for good behavior. Brett came out of prison with a new feeling of optimism about his life. According to a friend of the family, Lisa Junkin, in The Oxygen Show, he acted as if he wanted to put the past behind him and start fresh. However, she also said, quote, But Brett was an actor. Brett was what people wanted him to be for as long as he could be, and then he had to revert back to the person that he was. He started going off the rails, end quote. So Brett now had a second chance now that he was out of prison and in 2011, he starts working again to make money and support himself. He's trying to get back into the swing of things and create this new life when he meets a woman named Kristen. Kristen was a very successful woman who worked as a physiotherapist in Toronto. Brett and Kristen fell in love and they fell fast. He came clean to her about his past and fortunately for Brett, she was very accepting of everything. His family was excited to see Brett with someone like Kristen and thought that she was just the type of woman that he needed to help him stay on a good path. At first, Brett seemed to be doing well with Kristen. He wanted to work to be the best man that he could be for her. And since Kristen was doing well for herself, he felt that he had to step his game up to be worthy of her. In 2013, Brett moved in with Kristen, who lived in a pretty upscale condo in downtown Toronto. He's been so happy with Kristen, and after dating her for over a year, he proposes to her, and she accepts. So now Brett and Kristen are planning this wedding and their future together, and it's an exciting time for both of them. However, Brett is starting to have some problems. He's feeling the effects of someone who has a criminal past. He's finding it difficult to get a job since many businesses didn't want to hire convicted felons. Because of this, Brett, again, found himself having to deal with lots of money issues. Imagine that he was starting to feel the strain of not working and not having money while also trying to plan a wedding, which is stressful all on its own. His mother, Sue, was able to help out a bit by giving him money when he needed it. So this calmed his stress for a little while, at least. Sadly, in 2015, Brett's father, Bill, passed away. So this dynamic in Sue and Brett's relationship shifts a little bit. Sue is now looking to Brett for comfort and help with his other brothers. This may also have added to the emotional strain that he was already dealing with. Things start looking up for Brett when he finally gets a job, a good IT job, in 2016. Now he could make money, support himself, and have money for his wedding, and just to get back on his feet. He was so excited and relieved. However, before Brett could report to his first day of work, his past as the fake beard bandit came up on his background check and the job quickly rescinded their offer. His world shattered. What was he going to do now? He had already told Kristen and his family about his new job, and they were so proud of him and happy about his new beginning. What was he going to tell them? How was he going to make money? He decided to go back to what he was good at, and that was living a double life. 
Brett decided to lie to Kristen and his family about getting fired from his job. He would get up each day, get dressed, and pretend as if he was going to work, when really all he was doing was just riding the subway all day and roaming the city. Then at the appropriate time, he would go back home, greet Kristen, and tell her all about his exciting day on the job. Brett had sort of created this character of a great man and great provider. This goes on for quite a while, but he forgets one small detail. If he's not working, he's not making no money, okay? (laughs) This is where Brett starts to feel the pressure. He didn't want to lose Kristen, and he knew that if she knew the truth of what was going on, she would leave him and call off the wedding for sure. He also did not want to let his family down again and cause them to feel disappointed. This episode is brought to you by Airfordable. So have you ever wanted to go on a trip and you know you had to book a flight, but the flights were a little bit expensive and you just need a little bit more time to be able to pay for that flight? Well, that's where Airfordable comes in. So this company is amazing, you guys. I've been using this company for a couple of years now. It's a black owned company that allows you to pay for your flights and installments. So they'll let you go on the website, submit your information for the flight that you want, pay a small down payment, and then pay for your flight and installments before you leave. I'll be completely honest with you, this has saved me so many headaches and allowed me to be excited about my trip and not have to be worried about paying for my flight or a big price up front. I could just pay for installments. It's a lot less stressful. And I really love working with this company. The customer service is absolutely amazing. I know you guys will love it too. So I'm going to leave a link below this podcast episode for you guys to check it out. And I'm going to be giving you $25 off of your first booking. So yeah, Click that link below this podcast episode, learn all about Air Affordable, and book your next flight and pay for it in installments. He was starting to run out of options since telling the truth just didn't seem to be one of them for Brett. Brett goes to his mother to ask for money, and I'm sure Sue was confused by this because at this point, she still believed that he had this great paying IT job. He finally breaks down and confesses that he never even started the job and they had fired him because of his criminal background. Not only that, he told her that he had not yet told his fiancee Kristen about this. Sue was so disappointed with Brett and told him, listen, I know it's difficult for you, but you have to be honest with Kristen. You're going into a marriage and you can't start off this union with a lie. You have to tell her everything. She pleaded with him to tell the truth, but Brett became upset at the thought of his secret getting out. He told his mother that she needed to stay quiet about this and keep his secret. In the Oxygen show, Lisa Junkin says that Sue told Brett, quote, if you don't tell her, I will, end quote. At this point, Brett is feeling that he has already lost just about everything. Kristen was all he had left and he couldn't risk losing her. That would be it for him. And the feeling of desperation is increasing inside of Brett. He needed a way to get out of this mess that he created. It was becoming clear to Brett that he was about to finally be exposed and that this was the end of everything that he was trying to build. He decided on one last course of action to help him to preserve his secret life just a little while longer. Brett needed to eliminate his perceived threat. And to him, It was his mother, Sue. 
He just couldn't risk the chance of her telling Kristen everything. He went to purchase a gun, but found out very quickly that due to his criminal past, that wasn't going to be possible. So he decided on an alternative, a crossbow. Since a crossbow was so easy to purchase, usually for hunting or sport, he thought that this was the best weapon to carry out his plan. He was ready to confront his mother and keep his life intact. On August 25th, 2016, Brett goes to the Ryan family home in Scarborough. Brett went to talk to his mother, Sue, and to give her one more chance to keep his secret and not tell Kristen. Sue stuck her ground and refused. She wanted her son to take responsibility and to be honest for once. Brett became enraged and the two began arguing to the point where Sue felt afraid and she called the oldest son, Chris, to come over and to help defuse the situation. Brett angrily walks towards the garage. His mother is following him and they continue to argue. Brett was walking to the garage to get his crossbow ready for aim. However, something malfunctions and he's unable to get his crossbow to work at that moment. Instead, Brett took one of the crossbow bolts and stabbed his mother in the cheek. He then picks up a rope and strangles his mother to death in the garage. For a moment, there's a feeling of relief. In Brett's mind, now his mother is out of the way and his secret is safe. Then he quickly is brought back to reality when he remembers that his older brother is on the way to the house. How is he going to explain this to everyone? Their mother is dead, laying on the floor of the garage. Then he had another thought. He remembered that when his dad died, he was made the executor of the estate. So if he's the only remaining family member, he gets all the money and the family home. Now he has a new part of his plan to eliminate the whole family. Brett lies in wait as his brother gets to the house. This time, he has the time to get his crossbow together. As Chris walked into the garage, Brett walked up behind him and shot the crossbow. The bolt shot through the base of Chris's skull and he died immediately. Brett stacked the bodies of his mother and brother on top of each other and placed a plastic tarp over them. Just then, he heard his brother AJ pull into the driveway of the home. Sadly, AJ is unaware of the carnage that is happening inside the garage. As AJ started to walk up the driveway, he's met with his brother Brett, who was holding a bolt in his hand. He ran to AJ and began choking him. As AJ began to fight back, Brett took the bolt and stabbed AJ repeatedly. The youngest of the four brothers, Leland, had been in the house sleeping this entire time. He was awakened by screams and commotion coming from outside of the house. He ran outside and saw a fatally wounded AJ on the ground. Not knowing that Brett was the cause of his injuries, Leland yelled out for him, asking him to call 911 for help. Seeing that Brett wasn't really trying to help his brother, Leland ran back into the house to call 911. Brett quickly followed his little brother into the house and attacked him since he was the last of the family that he needed to get rid of. Brett and AJ have a brutal fight in the house and AJ, while injured, manages to escape. He runs to a neighbor's house and calls for help. 
The police arrive at the scene and they find Brett sitting on the steps of his home covered in blood. Initially, the police thought that he was injured and offered him help, but he quickly told the police that the blood was not his. According to Lisa Junkin, Brett says, quote, My mom's in the garage. She's dead. My brother Chris is in the garage. He's dead. And that's my brother AJ and he's dead. And I did it. End quote. He confessed and the horrific ordeal was over. After inspecting the scene, the police located a duffel bag that they believed to be a part of Brett's escape plan. The bag contained a similar disguise to the one that he had worn during his bank robbery days. Brett was arrested and charged for the murders of his mother and two brothers. According to an article on TorontoLife.com, Brett waived the standard preliminary inquiry and pled guilty. He was convicted of second-degree murder in the death of his mother. He pled guilty to first-degree murder for Chris's death since he hidden and waited for his brother to arrive before executing him. And for AJ, he was convicted of second-degree murder since the victim had shown up unexpectedly. Brett received concurrent life sentences for each of the murders plus 10 years for the attempted murder of Leland. He will be eligible for parole in 2041, by which point he'll be 60 years old. At his sentencing, Brett was allowed to address the court. Through tears, he says, quote, I can only begin to say how sorry I am for what I've done. I'm sick with grief, though I can't imagine what my friends and surviving brother are going through. The time now doesn't belong to me, but I'll make the most of every opportunity I'm afforded. To everyone, for all of this, I am very sorry. End quote. Okay, y'all, so that was the case. What do y'all think? <laughs> that was wild. Um, I don't have many thoughts about this case except why and how is murder better than just being honest and being broke for a little while and getting your life together, right? Like, I know desperate people do desperate things sometimes, but I feel like how does one's mind leap that far? You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell the truth. I'm afraid to tell the truth. I don't want to disappoint everyone. I don't want to make anybody feel a certain way about me. So I'll just kill them all. Like, that doesn't make any sense because murder is final. If you're broke and you're in a bad place and you've lied about something, I mean, of course, it's going to be sad and uncomfortable for a little bit, but that can be fixed over time. If you're willing to, it can be fixed. It may be hard, but it can be fixed. But murder is final. And it, it's it's really interesting how people leap to those types of extremes to preserve that part of themselves. You know what I mean? It was that's that was the crazy part about this case. Um, and I often think about, you know, poor Leland. He's the only surviving member of that family. The father passed away earlier on and then Brett went on to kill the whole family. So, I mean, Brett's in jail. So Leland is essentially by himself. So I just I think about him and I hope he's doing well. But 
this case is is a doozy <laughs> it was a doozy so that was the case y'all i hope you really enjoyed it please 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 leave me a review if you're on apple Podcasts. i would love a five-star review i would really appreciate it um definitely go ahead and check out the website www.crimeloungepodcast.com there's lots of different goodies up there and ways that you can get involved um you can definitely join the facebook group um there's not many people in there just yet because i just started it but hopefully you'll hear this and hop in the group i would love to chat with you so yeah that was the case y'all and i hope to see you in episode three y'all take care of yourself The Crime Lounge Podcast is brought to you by Magenta Productions with music by Infraction. Visit us at crimeloungepodcast.com for show notes, to join our Facebook discussion group, or to suggest a case. Don't forget to subscribe, connect with the show on social media, and leave a review.